Yo, what's good, everyone? Thank you for stepping into the Coach's Box. I'm your host, Coach JP3, joined by Coach Pace, Coach Natty T, and Coach Murph. So last week, we did a little bit. Coach Natty T did his 90 and 90 segment, talked a little bit about the Champions League and his predictions. Uh, and so we're going to do a little bit of analysis with that. So what did you notice from the Champions League game, Coach Natty T? Yeah, so I picked Real Madrid to win. They won. I got the score wrong, but they did win. Um, Liverpool should be kicking themselves because they really should have won the game. They had more of the ball possession. They created a better opportunities, but um, Real Madrid's goalkeeper, Tibor Courtois, as he's called, he's from Belgium. Hmm. Got to get that French twist on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, nah, but he good. was – he. He won the game for him. I mean, he had some unbelievable saves in the game. So credit to him. And I know he he was extra motivated because he used to play in England for Chelsea Football Club, who won it last year. And let's just say his exit didn't really go that well. Mm. A lot of even leading up to the match, a lot of people, the media in England were saying, oh, well, he's no good. And he wasn't good when he was here. He's going to choke during the game. Um, so for him to come up with a big game, and he even said after the game, he said, you know, I've heard a lot of talk in England, a lot of nonsense about how I wasn't good. So I wanted to make sure I got my respect back in this game. And he did. So credit to him. Um, and then Real Madrid, they're just – they're special, man. This run, they beat PSG – they beat Chelsea, who won it last year. They beat Manchester City, who was the overall favorite. And then they beat Liverpool, who was the overall favorite coming into this tournament. So that's pretty impressive. And Real Madrid is basically like, you know, I said this last week, they're basically like a Boston Celtics, LA Lakers type of organization in terms of their history. So they just... They hadn't won it in three years, so they just said, you know what, it's time for the trophy to come home. And that's what they did. So credit to Real Madrid. Yeah. Dang. That's all I got. There it is. Sure. <laughs> Sweet. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. But, yeah, there's a lot going on in the, in the soccer world. People switching teams and uh, teams under new management and everything like that. So it might be an interesting season, you know, next season and stuff with everything going on well the thing is with especially in europe that's the norm and it's funny as we're about to talk about you know the nba finals and basketball as a whole and just american sports it's like you know we're just brainwashed to think we have this kind of like high school mentality with sports in terms of the supporting of of, of a club or supporting of an organization but over there, I mean, it's literally there's support, but they understand it's a business. So players move all the time. Coaches move all the time. And it's not really frowned upon. It's just like, hey, like, OK, he played here for two years. He gave us what he could, you know, credit to you. Thank you for what you did. But, you know, now I got to root against you because you're on another team. There's like no hard feelings, though. So I think that's how it should be. But I digress. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, we're going to be here to cover it as things happen here on the Coach's Box. You know how we do. How we do. All right. 
Another great 90-90 by Coach Natty T. Now let's get into some of the me of what we on. We had a nice little game last night, didn't we? And I, um, Coach Murph, <laughs> I think, was the only one that picked the Celtics uh, out of the crew. I had Golden State in seven. Um, or in six. six. I, I had Golden State in six, sorry. Yeah. Celtics in six for me. Celtics in six. And what did you have, Coach Pace? Uh, I had... I, I think I had Golden State in six. Golden State in six. And what did you have, Natty? I had Warriors in seven. Warriors in seven. Yes. So, <laughs> Coach Murph looking pretty good right now after game one. Uh, so, we're just going to dive into a little bit of what we saw, um, a little analysis and predictions moving forward. Uh, so, Coach Pace, you can kick us off. What did you see last night that you liked and disliked from both teams, and what do you see moving forward? Um, specifically, okay, so with Golden State, I'll just break it down real quick. I didn't like, I'm not even going to like lie to you. I didn't really like how Clay play. Everybody knows I don't like Draymond. I can't stand <laughs> Draymond. I don't know what it is with him and the way he just, I feel like he just flop around. Like he just flops his body around. He just throws himself around. It don't even look like he be playing basketball sometimes. Like it irritates me. <laughs> I just, I just feel like if Draymond can give you like fifteen points, they'd be fine. Like they, they would have walked. They would have just, you know, walked away with like yesterday's game. Um, Clay, he's way too streaky. He's not the same Clay anymore. I, I think we all need to accept that. And then uh, Steph, man, I'm not even gonna lie to you. Steph had twenty one in the first quarter, right? It ends the game with 34. Mm-hmm. That's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. That's flat out unacceptable. You get 13 points in three quarters. Yeah. That is yeah. flat out unacceptable. It was like one of seven from the three-point line after the first quarter, something like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even if you you can get five points a quarter, you still end up with 40. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't even get the 35. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That 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 blows my mind. Blows my mind. And then um we need to talk about Tatum. I know, I know this is gonna be a very interesting topic because Ooh. they won. Tatum had a nice little impact on the game, but I think and it's a it's a media driven thing. Everybody likes Tatum because his game is pretty, which it is. Mm-hmm. But we really need to give kudos to Jalen Brown. He is the best two way player on the team. Yes, sir. He did busy yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then I think uh, the unsung hero. We're gonna talk about Uncle Al as well. I love Uncle Al. Yes. But Robert Williams, man. We're gonna talk about somebody that actually has an impact on the game without always scoring, like, points. Mm-hmm. Draymond kind of has the same effect, even though he's just god-awful. But Robert Robert Williams, man, that, that's the guy. That is the guy. He If he can control the paint, it's going to be real, real, real tough for Golden State for the rest of the series. So, yeah, man. Hey, shout-out <laughs> J.B. So when I was watching the game I was and watching Draymond play, I was laughing so hard because I was thinking about you, Coach Pace, how in other series you were, you were telling Draymond to shoot, but you didn't mean that much. You didn't mean 12 times. 
I just want him to be effective like he was back in the day when they was he was scoring like twelve to fifteen twelve to fifteen points a game. Which is honestly, <laughs> honestly, I'm I'm curious of what he does in practice because he doesn't shoot. He can't. <laughs> I think he just strictly like probably plays defense on the other players and pass the ball and work on rebounds and cardio. Like I, I'm not convinced that this man works on his jump shot at all. He probably stopped practicing shooting back in like 2016, 2017. <laughs> Cause they prepare for his podcast, man. That's what he doing. That's what he doing. Cause I, no lie. If you look at his shot, in 2016, 2017, and 2018, it's different than the way he's shooting the ball now. Like, his his mechanics aren't even the same. I'm like, bro, what happened? What happened to you? You're going in the wrong direction. I thought you were supposed to get better as you keep shooting. So, I'm with y'all. I, he probably doesn't shoot at all in practice. Just free throws, probably. And he missed two of those last night. Yeah, I don't not, – not even free throws. And I do just <laughs> don't shoot the ball. <laughs> he doesn't shoot the ball. Oh. That's so funny. That's so funny. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Coach Pace, on that analysis. I think that was that was well done. Coach Murph, what are your takeaways? Steve Kerr and that rotation in the fourth quarter was horrid. Mm. Was you can't have Iggy and Draymond on the court against those those young guns, especially like that somewhat triggered the run. And I mean, I, I agree with Coach Pace about. Robert Williams and uh, Jalen Brown, of course, and Al Horford. But let's not forget who also was a part of that run, and that was that boy, Derek White. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's been coming up big and and looking like a big loss for the Spurs. But uh, that lineup was horrible. Steph with the 14 points in three quarters, horrible. It was funny because last time I saw him, he was doing a – to the cup layup and flopping around with his booty in the air over here trying to act like, oh, I'm having fun out here. And the next thing you know, they were just like, this is why I said whoever came out the East was going to win because especially the Celtics, because they're just battle tested. They went against KD Kyrie, the best, you know, offensive duo of all time, swept them. They followed that up facing the defending champs. They didn't have uh, Chris Middleton, but, I mean, we all saw what Giannis did anyways, and then they pulled it out in seven. They had to win the last two games to do it. Then you go and face the number one seed in Miami, and you beat them in seven. But I I think people have been overhyping the Warriors, and I think they think more of them in past years, their old finals runs, mm-hmm. and trying to, like, you know, push that together with their run this year, but they literally had the easiest road to the finals. So everybody like, oh, they look so good and so on and so forth. I'm like, they're not playing anybody. And when they play somebody, if Dylan Brooks didn't get suspended for technically two games and Ja wasn't out for the last three, y'all would have lost to Memphis. There's no doubt in my mind they would have lost to Memphis. And so, I mean, I don't even count the Nuggets because it's just Jokic and players and then the Mavs is just Luka and players. So it's like, but everybody wanted to hype them up. And I'm like, okay, well, watch when they get to the finals and get busted. Now, Steph Curry. <laughs> everybody is so hell-bent on saying, oh, he gets this finals 
uh, MVP. This will move him up here. But nobody want to act like if he loses, this doesn't affect his legacy. This is how we – this is how people take shots at LeBron. So, to give a little history, when he lost to Toronto and it was just him, that was LeBron against Golden State when Love and uh, Kyrie went down. Mm-hmm. They both lost. Now you're on a but when you were in an even playing field against the Cavs, you lost. You're on an even playing field against the Celtics. If you lose this, you're not in my top 20. Mm. That's just for me because this is how I look at it. I He changed the game. You got that. But all these other accolades, if you lose this series or if y'all win mm. and you don't get finals MVP – I don't want to hear nothing about Steph outside of he revolutionized the game. Because now you're just a product of a good team. You have a, the greatest shooting ability, but outside of that, you're just a product of a good team. I heard that uh, there's a, you know, stat out there that since KD or, you know, finals appearances without KD, they're one and eight. That's telling. Because who was on the floor when KD wasn't there? Steph. Yep. But everybody was so quick to coin him as a top 10 player. Yeah. If you want to be the best, judge him like the best. So this series is big for him. And don't get sweat. <laughs> don't get sweat. <laughs> oh, Lord, I, I don't care. Like, I, And then now for the Celtics, Tatum. Tatum is starting to become that Steph – He's starting to be viewed like Steph Curry to me in terms of a product of a good team, but people find a way to give him credit because all I'm hearing is like, oh, he was, yeah, he didn't shoot well, but he got 13 assists. He was doing great at playmaking. He is not a playmaker. If you watch those, those were just passes. There's a difference between playmaking and making passes, and that's all he was doing. (laughs) So, like, no, that does nothing for me. You were, what, three for 17, something like that? Mm-hmm. 12 points, 13 assists? Like, no, because I don't want them to – I feel like this is them trying to build up a case for him. So if he has a decent series throughout the way and they win, they can find a reason to give him the finals MVP, even though right now – and I told, uh, told you on the group chat, right now if Golden State wins, Steph will be the finals MVP. This is strictly going off of game one. If it's the Celtics, it's between Al Horford and Jalen Brown for me. So I don't want this media narrative of Tatum getting these 13 assists that they try to really value his impact on that game as if he was one of the best players on the court because he wasn't. He was probably the fourth best behind Jalen Brown, Al Horford, and Steph. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good stuff. That's good stuff there, Coach Murph. <laughs> yeah, I got so upset when they hyped him up on the news today. I'm like, no, he almost cost his team the game, is what he did. Like, uh, yeah, okay. It's not my turn. Coach Nighty, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I agree with Coach Page and Coach Murph. Um <laughs> 
And I told y'all, I told y'all this a few weeks ago. I said, let Warriors get in the finals again. I know everybody's being forgiven now. They haven't been there in two years. Let them get in the finals again. Let the media train hype up. Um, I told y'all this was coming. Mm-hmm. I tell y'all listeners, man, this the whole snowball effect of overblowing stuff and putting him in the top five and the top ten, it's coming. But anyway, um, <laughs> so as far as takeaways from the game, from a Boston perspective, that first quarter was absolutely atrocious. I don't know what the hell they were doing on defense. Mm-hmm. Like, credit to Steph because he has to make the shots regardless. But I, I don't know what the hell they were doing in that first quarter. <laughs> Wide open. Brother. Wide open. I, I mean, I think one of his threes that he made was semi-contested. Like, semi-contested. Like, every every other one was wide open. So, I, I don't know what the hell was going on there. Um, but with saying that, I think we're only down four in the first quarter. So, you know, credit to Boston for kind of weathering that storm. And then we all know the infamous stat with Golden State. In the third quarter, they come out and blitz you. Yeah. And they did. They did. But Boston took that punch, too. They said, all right, well, we're still here. And basically – out Golden State, Golden State, because they just had a blitz of their own, and then Golden State couldn't have an answer. Um, you know, so I agree with uh, you know the point that was made earlier as far as uh, Coach Pace with Steve Kerr and the rotations. He's gonna have to figure something out. Yeah. Um, because we all like Iggy. I mean, I think most people like Iggy, but he hasn't played this whole playoffs, and he he played you know numbers wise he played okay, but. Should you be going with your younger guys? Should you be going with, you know, Gary Payton Jr. or the second? Should you be going with uh, Jordan Poole a bit more? Even though he didn't have a, a good game yesterday, but still, you know, maybe you need to kind of match younger legs with younger legs. I know you have experience, but, you know, I don't know if you want to tweak with your rotation that, that's kind of gotten you to the finals at this point. So that's an interesting uh, thing to watch. I agree with the point on Clay. He's just not what he was. Um, him guarding Jalen Brown is a mismatch because he can't he can't really stay in front of him like he probably would have three four years ago. He just can't do it. Um, and then offensively, he's just not. Even his shot is just not as explosive as it, as it once was. If you look at his mechanics, like he used to kind of spring off of his shot. He can't really do that anymore. So it's it's definitely a lot more on stuff. <laughs> Draymond again. I mean, good lord. <laughs> he shoots like he has a piano on his back. That's what yeah. it looks like. He, he's like hunched over. I, I don't know what's going on there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but from Boston's perspective, I mean, it's an impressive win. I mean, I picked Golden State in seven. And really my reasoning was centered around Boston. I wouldn't I wouldn't surprise that they won the first game in the fashion that they did. I wouldn't be surprised if they won this series. My concern with Boston going forward is they do have some Memphis Grizzlies in them a little bit. Sometimes I don't know what gets in their head. They just play real dumb, especially Marcus Smart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know what goes through their head sometimes. 
And then the other interesting thing that I don't think that has been mentioned, even on you know a lot of the shows, is for some reason Boston does not play well at home. Yeah, they swept the Nets, but in the Milwaukee series they had home court, so obviously they split, but they lost two games at home mm-hmm. against Miami. They lost two games at home, and they only had three. I wouldn't be surprised. Even if they won, even if Boston won games here or went up 2-0 in this series, I wouldn't be surprised if Golden State won two games in Boston. So I don't know what it is because, they, you know, Boston, the TD Garden has, you know, arguably the best, you know, fan energy, I would say, in the league as a home court advantage. I don't know if the pressure just gets to them a little too much because – you know, they're still relatively young. Obviously, you have Uncle Al and stuff like that, but the rest of the team is still pretty young. So I don't know if the pressure gets to them or what, but I I need to see them be a bit more consistent and a bit more disciplined throughout the series. Um, you know, I think that's what it's going to take for them to win against Golden State. My last point, Jason Tatum. I agree with you, Coach Murph. Today was very... How do I want to put it? Not Results-based media. Because they won. <laughs> and to your point, Coach Murphy, again, like he, yeah, he had these assists, but he just made the pass as part of the system and Al Horford makes a shot. If he misses those shots, they lose the game. Mm-hmm. And we're having a whole different conversation. So Coach JP3, I think you've, Put it the best about Jason Tatum. He's a star with superstar tendencies. Mm-hmm. So I need Jason Tatum to be a bit more consistent. 12 points, I don't give a damn that y'all win yesterday. That's not good enough. Nope. I don't give a oh. damn if you have 12 assists for the rest of the damn series. Y'all not winning this series with you scoring 12 points. Mm-mm. Period. And take the damn Kobe armband off if you're going to be scoring 12 points a game. Take it off. He, he had it on that game? I didn't even notice. I think he did because it was purple. That's what I'm saying. Because I was like, wait, that's purple. He, he got that damn armband on again. Take it off if you're going to play like that. So that's my thoughts on Jason Tatum. I'm telling y'all, Kobe been turning over in his grave. He just been rolling. That's stop moving. He just like take that ish off. So that's kind of my feedback on Boston. Because again, I I honestly think they're, I mean, they're better than Golden State, but I picked Golden State just because I just don't fully trust them yet at this stage. Game one was a first was a great first step, you know, great comeback great fourth quarter but i wouldn't be surprised if they lost by 20 the next game mm-hmm. i wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. and then they go back to boston and then they they win that game and then golden state wins the next game and then it's just this back and forth back and forth i wouldn't be surprised if that happens so boston if you all can just be consistent disciplined play intelligent basketball they can win this series pretty easily but we'll see yeah. All right, y'all. I'm gonna try to keep this brief. I, <laughs> I, I was just so frustrated this week listening to media for a number of different reasons. I'm gonna start with my analysis for the game that we that we all watched. So, 
with Boston, they don't have a true point guard on their roster, right? So you look at how discombobulated their offense looks like. It's like it, sometimes you got Marcus Smart as your primary ball handler bringing up the court. And sometimes Marcus Smart makes Marcus dumb decisions. So you notice last night they took the ball out of his hands more. Like, okay, you're not making the decisions. He even wasn't in the game for a big chunk of the fourth quarter. He came in, and to his credit, he made two big threes, which were very helpful. Uh, but they they knew that they couldn't afford to have, you know, bad shots being taken and, and turnovers and stuff. because that's And that's the beauty of what Derek Wright, White brings to you is because he can actually play a solid point guard type of role for the team, but in bench-type minutes. So in those other th- in those other minutes, when White is not on the floor, who is going to be the person setting up your offense? And that's what brings me to Jason Tatum. And this is what irritates me about him. And I, I root for Jason Tatum. Tatum. Light skin to light skin. I'm rooting for the brother. All right. I want him to be a superstar. Because I've seen him get better and hold his own. And I know he's got a lot of talent. But he takes some of the worst shots. I have ever seen from someone who's supposed to be a superstar. Emphasis on supposed. And yes, Coach Natty, that's exactly how I feel about him. He is a star with superstar tendencies. He can have a game where he gives you 40 and you're like, yo, like he got next. That like he's that dude. He's that guy. And then the next game, you're like, who's that guy? Like you, you can't, you can't have that in back-to-back performances, right? And that's what we saw with Miami. That's part of the reason why the series lasted so long. So, like, that's and, – and with Milwaukee as well. So, when I look at Tatum, I think he makes the game too difficult because I he knows that this is a big moment for him. He knows that this is a big playoff run. He knows he hasn't gone to the finals before, and he finally got over that hump. But what he does is offensively he – it looks like he he's putting a little bit too much pressure on himself. Like, yeah, I'm going to go get this. I'm going to get this bucket. Well, Golden State has some talented defenders. You're not going to get easy shots like you've gotten in some of the other series. You're not going to get those shots that you got in the regular season. So you have to be able to adapt your game with what the moment calls for. And so what Jason Tate, what I would like to see him do is actually take a page from Kobe's book because Kobe is his inspiration, but Kobe made the game. He learned how to make the game very easy because at times I think, you know, on Tatum's uh, armband, it has 24, right? I need him to play more like that Kobe and not eight post Shaq Kobe, because once Shaq left, I think Kobe took a lot upon himself because he, I mean, Lamar Odom was his next best player. You got Smush Parker and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So he's jacking up shots. He's making the game too difficult. Once he got Bynum and, and Powell Gasol and, and, you know, Odom still there and, and you know, Phil Jackson came back. He settled back in and he said, listen, if you watch a video of his, there's a video of his on YouTube. And he's like, really, I only have three or four moves. And he goes in, he's like, I need to get to my spots. I get to my spot, I'm getting the bucket. If I get to my spot and you defend me, then I come up with a counter to your defense. So I'm going to show you something different each time, but it's really based on three moves. What Tatum does is sometimes I think he's like, I'm going to go with this move and I'm going to keep going and get this shot off. And he takes shots at with very bad angles. 
sometimes he's airballing shots for crying out loud. He's airballing some of them. He's hitting the backboard really aggressively on a few of them too. I'm like, are you Jason, are you like zero Jason Tatum or zero Russell Westbrook? Like, which one are you? Like the way you're hitting the backboard sometimes. So he needs to play a little bit more under control. You know, you're, you know where your spots are on the floor. Take your spots, get those shots up. And then when the defense cuts you off, you have a counter move. Because I know you got it. I've seen you do it before. But sometimes I think he forgets that and he goes into default mode. So learn from 24 Kobe, not eight post-Shaq Kobe. And he almost cost him his team the game because you're, his team got super hot. Like their, their three-point shooting percentage in that fourth quarter was absolutely ridiculous. Can you really count on that for three more wins? I, I like Derek White. I like Al Horford. I like Pritchard. And I give uh, Ime Udoka credit for leaving those guys in and say, hey, they're outplaying my starters right now. So I'll keep smart on the bench for a little while longer. I'll ride the hot hand. I think that was, a, that was a good thing. Now you counter that with what Steve Kerr did at the beginning of the game. Curry gets, what, 21 points in the first quarter. And he puts him on the bench. Right? Curry comes back. He's cold. He never recovers from that. I'm not, get, I'm not blaming it all on Kerr, but I think when someone's that hot, you ride that. You ride it out as long as you can. And because I, that's the difference between – because look at the halftime score. Look how close it was. This man goes off for 21 in the first quarter, and it's a single-digit game at halftime? No, you should be burying those dudes by then. And I think if you leave Curry in, maybe that changes the way the game pans out as things go because it's, the Boston's going to have to dig out a, di- a deeper hole. For as, as poorly as Boston played for a, cu- a, a couple quarters – Man, I was I was multitasking watching the game. And all of a sudden I look and I'm like, it's a seven-point game. And Tatum playing like trash. I'm like, oh shoot, okay. But I'm like, you know, Golden State's gonna come in. You know, so Golden State has the 15-point lead in the third quarter. They go into the fourth quarter. It's a seven-point game. Then it's a five-point game. Draymond jacking up shots. I'm like, what what it's it's like Golden State forgot what their offense is supposed to look like. They, they strayed away, and then Boston remembered what their offense was supposed to look like. And it was Jalen Brown who kind of ignited that because he had some back-to-back plays there in the fourth quarter. He hits it. He hits two – actually, three plays because he hits two threes. Then he comes in and gets an assist. Uh, it was like um, – I don't know if – I don't remember if it was an alley-oop, but he, he, he passed it close to the basket and somebody got a layup. And then, like, the momentum started to turn. And the, what I love about beautiful ball movement is I love it when the ball doesn't even touch the ground, right? Like that's, that's what the Spurs have done in, in past years. So the ball movement, all of a sudden, the ball starts to move. And when Tatum gets in his head, he stops the ball. He starts dribbling and he starts forcing his way to the basket. So now just people are just standing there looking at him. So when the ball movement came around, Horford's wide open. Pritchard's wide open. Brown is wide open. Those kind of things. Derek White is wide open. And he had one shot on Steph because Steph actually played decent defense on one of them. And he hit it white right in his grill. And I'm like, oh, okay, this game might turn. So that that's that's that. Another thing is my last point, I guess, about this, this game is um, two last points. I agree uh, with playing younger players 
And part of that, I mean, you've had these guys and you've played them in the playoffs. It's not like they've been on the bench cold. Who has been on the bench cold? Andre Iguodala. And you're just going to throw him into the finals? Like, oh, hey, here's the biggest stage. You were here like four years ago. So here you go. Like, nah, man. Like, you at least need to let I him know warm up. Exactly. It's my finals. Right? Yes. You could, I mean, you could at least give him some some tick against the, the Mavericks, at least to get his feet underneath them. Um, and he didn't play horrible, but he wasn't he wasn't Iggy. He's not the Iggy that we remember. He didn't play like it. Uh, so I mean, yeah, that's what Jonathan Kaminga's for. That's what those guys are for. They're long, athletic, and, and have proven to be effective in the postseason. Let those guys get a chance. Let them disrupt Boston. And then my last point is, Coach Natty T, you talked about the defense of Boston shifting from the first, first quarter because those cats were wide. They were wide open the entire first quarter. There was miscommunication and everything. But what did they start to do? They started to put their hands on Steph. He don't like that. Steph doesn't like to be played physically. And also, they were running him off the three-point line. Steph has gotten better in his, like, mid-range game and, like, those floaters, those scoop shots in the lane. But still, he's not as effective doing that as he is standing at that three-point line and getting off shots. So if, if, if even if he gets those twos, I'd rather take the two than give him the three. It's a simple math equation. So when they're running out there, they're running him off the three-point line. They kick it out to Clay. They run Clay off the three-point line. Make – Make Golden State put the ball on the floor. And that's what they did. It disrupted their entire offense and it discombobulated. All of a sudden, they start turning the ball over. They start shooting bad shots, all those things. So that's a ripple effect of playing aggressive defense. That's what you have to do against a finesse team like Golden State. Man, they started passing it to Draymond more. That's what happened. That's why you had to take those 12 shots. <laughs> I was like, this is not what Keith was talking about, Draymond. This is not what he meant. This is not what Coach Pace meant. <laughs> they, they definitely should have put Gary Payton uh, the second in and and Jonathan Kaminga. Like, that was a like, Iggy? Iggy? Yeah. That I, don't, shot. I don't mind Draymond shooting, but the problem is he don't look like he should shoot anymore. <laughs> Anything productive on the offensive side of the ball, and low key, he don't even look like a good defender. That's neither here nor there. I'm gonna let him be the greatest help side defender there ever is. <laughs> it, okay, so I have a, a tad bit of a rant. So that was my analysis all week. I've just been mortified by the narratives that the media is creating here, and so I'm going to share a few of them with you. Um, and it's by people that I respect. That's the thing that hurts the most. All right, I talked a little bit about Shannon Sharp, you know, on, on, Uncle Shay. You know, I, I talked about him, and he's like, you know, well, if Steph get this MVP, Finals MVP, and a and a and a, and wins the Finals, you know, he I might have to put him over Larry. Larry who? Larry Hughes? Sure. Larry Johnson? Sure. Larry Bird? Don't be disrespectful. Don't be disrespectful. No, I expect better from you. Larry Bird was your favorite player growing up. And now you're just going to turn your back over this dude getting another ring and a finals. No, no. Because at the end of the day, he may have one more championship if he wins than Larry. But Larry has one more MVP than Steph does. He won three straight. So what are we talking? What are we talking about here? What are we talking about? So anyway, so that was that one. Then, it, then I have to go to my 
the Speak for Yourself crew. I love them dudes, man. Marcellus Wiley, Emmanuel Acho. That's one of the best shows. And Coach Natty T got me on that show. So I watch, I try to watch it every day. I record it so I can make sure I watch it every day. I'm about to take it off my DVR because I'm gonna tell you, these do it was it was a bad week for them. It was a bad week of narratives for them. And I'll just quickly go into Acho did, did this one thing. He went to the big board. So he runs to the big board and he's like, I'm going to tell you what this, if Steph wins again, I'm going to tell you what this means. So let, let, let's just, for, for instance, the NBA did their top 75. Steph Curry, I think was ranked 16 on that list. If I'm not mistaken, I think he was 16. KD might've been 12. It was something like that. Yeah. So let's just say 16. We'll keep the, we'll keep the number 16 on. This dude had the audacity, the unmitigated gall to come out here and say, all right, we got to really pay attention to what's going on because Steph is going to be in top five territory or top seven territory. And he started naming people like Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Tim Duncan, I think Magic Johnson, somebody like that. So he had like about five or six people. And, he's, and he said, look at the similarities between these players. Look at the number of championships and look at the number of regular season MVPs that these guys have. And he said, that's the four and two club, basically. Four championships with at least two MVPs. And those are undisputably in your top 10 of all time and everyone's top 10 pretty much. He said, if Steph gets this one, then he has to be in that group. No, that's not <laughs> what that means, Emmanuel. That's not what that means. Because you are taking titles and regular season MVPs and just basing how you place people only on those two factors. So we're not going to talk about finals MVPs. We're not going to talk about any of the other things that accumulate to greatness. We're just going to talk about those two things. Well, yeah, I can handpick two things from any type of sport and say this person is the greatest or this person should be in there. That's a lazy argument, bro. I expect better from you. Yeah, Big Shot Bob is a top eight all time. All time, all time. So (laughs) before you move on to your next one, another thing that I, when you told me that and what I hate about it is that, you know, Steph and Bron has played in the league together for uh, an extended amount of time. And I'm just like, People give Bron so much scrutiny and nitpick him at number two, and some people have him lower. And then you got this guy that hasn't done as much or bear the weight as much as Bron has, not even close. Mm-hmm. And when he has, he failed. But we're just going to just throw him in the top five? Like, oh, yeah, he just belongs there. Like, on what ground? Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, what, like, what are we talking about? I don't. I don't know what we're talking about, Demaris. I don't know. That's why I'm so frustrated. And then he talks about like, um, he was saying, what is kind of like something that's more bulletproof, something that you really can't poke holes in. So when we're talking about greatness, and we got to be a little picky when we're talking comparing greats, I get that, and I agree with that. Uh, He said, whose resume can you not be able to poke a hole in? And then he started talking about if we're going to put LeBron James as one of the greatest of all time, some hate people have him one, some people have him two, some people have him three, whatever. 
then we have to see what the other players did in his era. And what he was saying is, Mike, nobody could do anything in Mike's era. Basically, those six, those six championships, nobody else was getting nothing. Hakeem got technically one on his watch, right? Because the first one he won, Jordan was retired. The second one, he came back in the middle of the season, like, to like the, the, the latter third of the season. So I guess you could say, yeah, he got one on Mike. And then Magic and Kareem got some on the early side of Jordan's career. But in Jordan's prime, no one got anything on him. The most that someone could get would be two throughout his entire career. So what he went on to say was that, now let's look at LeBron's career and what he allowed to happen on his watch. So how can you say that? So he was saying, so we see LeBron as greatness, but Steph Curry could have four rings on LeBron's watch. So if you are, and he used this whole astrology thing, like proximity to the sun and everything, and it, it sounded like it was going to go somewhere, but I don't like where he took the astrology, the astronomy. So like he said, if, if, we, if this guy has four, if LeBron has four, and he is one of the greatest of all time, and Steph also has four in the same time period, then we have to put him at least in the conversation with him. No, we don't. And I'm like, that's not what that means. No, because you're missing so many, many, many other points of context in there. And one of those big context points is Kevin Durant. Right? You have to account, you have to account for that move that, that ma they made. So that, that was that. That was that point. So it's like you can still poke holes into Curry's resume. And then lastly, they were talking about um, how should KD and Kyrie feel by Golden State making it to the finals and Boston making it to the finals, seeing as that, you know, they played on those teams beforehand. And Marcellus Wiley proceeded to say, I don't think it's a big deal at all because we don't talk bad about Joe Montana when Steve Young takes the team over and gets a Super Bowl. We don't talk bad about Brett Favre when Aaron Rodgers comes in, does his thing and wins the Super Bowl. So why should we badmouth Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? It's not the same, Marcellus. It's not the same. And I'm going to tell you why. So Young and, 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 Young and, and Rodgers learned from those guys and ended up taking their spots. Favre was kind of stringing the Packers along. He was retiring and unretiring and all those kind of things. And then Joe Montana was getting older and age. So these guys were old. It was a succession plan. It, it was a succession plan. Yeah. Yes, those guys were intentionally on the team to take your spot once you got too, basically too old to really produce. And then Brett Favre, like I said, was stringing the Packers along. They were like, we're tired of going back and forth with you. Right? That's different than when Kyrie is literally on the same team as Jason Tatum and, and, and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, and they don't go as far with him as they do without him. It's, it's not the same when KD is literally playing with Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson, that core of the, of the Warriors. Same coach, same core cast, and they do it without you. 
I mean, they already proven that they could do it without you beforehand. They did it with you and now they're doing it after you. So it's not the same as Brett Favre and Joe Montana. I'm sorry, horrible comparison. Do better. You're better than that. You went to Columbia, do better. So those are the kind of things that really, really, and I'm tired of all the Kobe slander too. I'm tired of Kobe Bryant not being included in this greatness conversation, right? So we just gonna take Steph Curry and we're going to say he's top 16 ranked by, by, you know, the NBA. And then people are like, well, if he wins, then he's going to be top 10. And then people took from top 10 and somehow we got to the top five because this writer from CBS Sports was like, well, if he wins this, then he's going to be top five all time. He's going to be top five all time. And he said, what is it? Jordan, LeBron, Shaq, Tim, I think Tim Duncan, and then Steph Curry. So we just going to forget that Magic Johnson played basketball, huh? So that, that was just our imagination. That was, we were the temptations. It was just our imagination, huh? Okay. All right. We're going to forget that Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bean Bryant, the Black Mamba, for, we forgot he played basketball. You can't just leapfrog Steph Curry on it. So the media just really got on my nerves this week because I it, it was just really like I was okay with the Warriors winning the championship before all this malarkey started now now i'm rooting for boston i i'm picking warriors in seven because i just think that they'll win but i'm really rooting for boston because i i'm not going to be able to manage i won't make it if if, <laughs> if the warriors win it i'm not going to make it we're going to have to cancel the podcast and everything i'm not going to be able to do it either that or y'all going to do it right. yourself. don't worry about it the Celtics got it like i said <laughs> I, i'm so definitely just yeah just you know just for context on that 75 list so based on the things we've been hearing this week right they would have stuff leapfrogging players like magic wilt larry shaq tim duncan kobe bryant Kim elijah and then right now because technically he's 15th on the list, on the NBA's official list. Mm-hmm. 14's Jerry West, 13's KD, 12 is Oscar Robinson, and then, yeah, then Hakeem, then Kobe, then Tim Duncan, then Shaq, then Larry, then Wilt. Apparently, they got stuff leapfrogging all those dudes if they win and he wins the finals every day this year. That, I... How? One <laughs> final How? One. I mean, I think they're just so pressed to get just because he's he's just like a another guy, you know what I mean? Just like so close to a regular guy and not like some super big LeBron or super athlete. Um, <laughs> it's just like, hey, let, let's just get him in here because he he's a likable guy and like, not y'all making us hate him. Yes. so especially like except like and he's a front runner like that whole golden state organization is just built in front runners and that's another thing that i don't like about him i never did because it's like whenever y'all are truly facing adversity y'all just find a way to stack the deck y'all face adversity by losing one final to a healthy cast team so you run and get durant <laughs> and but before that final started, y'all want to talk trash because y'all won the previous year, even though it was Brown by himself and Della Dova saying, Oh, I hope it still smell like champagne. 
or oh uh when clay was saying that like lebron cried about it or something like that and then next thing you know, y'all blow a 3-1 lead. So it's like, all y'all do is front run. Yeah. And, and Steph, like, he, he, okay. So what the media has done, I think, is they've gone on two extreme sides of the spectrum when covering Steph Curry. Because some people will tell you that Andre Iguodala won the MV, the finals MVP and Steph didn't play well in that series. Steph did play well in that series. I mean, look at his numbers for that. I mean, I think anybody who would put up, what was it, 23, 6, and 5 or something like it was somewhere around there. Like that, that's a good series. I take that, you know? And, and, and so I, I just like, no, they went too far. But then in conversations like this, I'm like, well, no, we have to look at his history too because we killed LeBron James for coming up short. Now I know, so you blowing that 3-1 lead, like you're talking about Coach Merv, they blow that 3-1 lead. And even in the Toronto series, now once Kate, once Clay went down as well, I'm like, ah, okay, Toronto might win this. But Curry had plenty of opportunities to make shots to extend that series at least to a game seven. And he missed all of them. And that game seven against LeBron, he had at least four or five threes that would either put them up a little bit more or tied the game or something like that. He missed all of them. Yeah, he was scoreless in the last, like, three and a half minutes of that game seven. Yes. Let like, that have been LeBron four. James. They'd have been all over him. Yeah. But they oh, gave Steph a pass for that, and they just talked about the greatness crucified. of LeBron. Yes, exactly. And also, Stephen A is on my list, too. <laughs> because he talking about, yeah, well, you know, he kind of went through that angle of, like, having Curry in that same – conversation is LeBron if he wins a title and everything kind of that proximity what did someone do on your watch type of thing and and, it, and then he said Michael Jordan ruined the game of basketball <laughs> what are we talking about you know because he said it, he Jordan made it an individual game made people focus on the individual and not the team and he brought up Larry Bird and Magic Johnson now, how many of those great Celtic players and great Lakers players did you see in commercials? How many of them had their own shoe? Crickets. How many people did they build the rivalry around? Who was on the poster boards? Who was on the billboards? Who was in the marketing? Wasn't Kevin McHale. Wasn't Robert Parrish. Wasn't James Worthy. Wasn't Michael Cooper. Wasn't Dennis Johnson. It was Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Yes, they did have great teams. They had really, really good players on their teams. But the media and the business world didn't go after Kevin McHale. They went after Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. They, they marketed them. They gave them their own converse weapons to wear during games. They created their own nicknames, Magic and, and, and the Hick from French Lick, whatever they, they call Larry Bird. Larry, <laughs> you know, that, that, the media did that to them. So they still individualized those guys. Jordan just took it to another level and made it a little bit more lucrative. But he didn't start it. So I, I don't know where, where that argument came from. And he should know better. He's been studying basketball way too long for that, that type of foolishness. That's asinine. Or, or has he been? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my god! <laughs> so it's just yes. Jordan was, but I mean, Pippen at least got his own shoe, right? None of those other guys that play for the Celtics and, and Lakers got their own shoe. Shoot, Dennis Rodman had his own unofficial shoe. <laughs> Dennis Rodman had his own shoe. What are we talking about here? Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, it just it just it, it, all week, all week. That I work hard for a living. You think I want to come home and listen to that? Like, no, no, absolutely not. All right, we're gonna go to our next topic. We can agree that those guys help impact the culture and shift basketball culture. And that's going to lead into our next topic. Uh, a great documentary, ESPN 30 for 30 dropped this week. Uh, it, it was uh, the greatest mixtape ever. And I hope if you haven't got a chance to watch it, please do. Even if you're part of our younger audience and you're not too familiar with the street ball scene and one, I think it's a good way to kind of learn about what, kind of, what happened in, in the early 2000s, especially how things took off. So, Coach Natty T, you know, uh, this was your topic here. You wanted to kind of look, talk a little bit about the documentary, but also the impact uh, on NBA culture shifts. So can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, it was, well, first I was excited, you know, when I first heard that it was coming out. So I was definitely looking forward to it. Um, and then for me, wanted to talk about it because it was somewhat nostalgic for me. I know Coach JP3, kind of the same thing. Yes. Um, it was just for one, I guess, kind of more of a funny point. Watching some of those mixtapes back again, mm -hmm. I was very surprised at how bad the video was. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because <laughs> Coach JB3, we used to, because so for the listeners, me and Coach JP3, we've been friends since we were seven years old. And we used to do, you know, we used to have sleepovers, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. When the N1 mixtapes came out, that was like one of the main things we used to do. Yes. We used to watch that over and over again and then stay up for BET Uncut. That's what we used to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then wait for the Miracle Springwater commercial to come on so we can laugh Peter, at that. Peter Popoff. Peter Popoff, yes. <laughs> That was that was that was the thing we used to do. So it was just funny to me because watching it, I remember watching the mixtapes back in those days. Yeah. And like I thought that junk was HD. And it's like, damn, it was not HD. <laughs> I was like, who shot this? This is not what I had on DVD. This is not what I had on VHS. That thing that was grainy as hell, bro. But man, but anyway. That was just kind of more of a funny takeaway takeaway that you know watching it i'm just like damn yeah the world's old, first camera like captured that yeah i'm like this is my childhood like this is like you know my early teenage years man like <laughs> damn we old but anyway <laughs> um shut up keith, <laughs> shut up, keith. i don't like the fact you just <laughs> you said well <laughs> Hey man, I do, he's got to own it, man. Got to own it. <laughs> got to own it. But um, but yeah, but it was it was fun to to sort of like reminisce back on that time period, um, because the the cultural impact of An One was just huge, and they talked about it in the in the documentary. I mean, because I remember, <laughs> and we kind of talked about it in our other group chat, but 
you know, I played basketball in middle school. You know, I was fortunate to make the team and start and all that. I played basketball in high school as well. I remember so many dudes getting cut from tryouts <laughs> just because they was trying to do and one moves. <laughs> like cats was coming in there trying to spin the ball off people's heads, throwing it off people's heads. And it's like, is that how you made the team? Do that. <laughs> The coach would be like, nah, you're done. <laughs> nah, nah, you're done. Nah, you're done. <laughs> so I guess that's somewhat of the negative aspects of it. But um, what I thought was interesting is, more on a serious note, is just the influence of the on the game today. Um, you know, because they show clips of, you know, Steph Curry, uh, Jamal Crawford. Uh, Kyrie Irving and just kind of the style of play that they had and all of them kind of reference saying hey like we used to watch the N1 mixtape and it was like we knew that wasn't quote-unquote real basketball but it kind of sparked the imagination to develop our skills to how it is now so I thought that was that was phenomenal um, and it, it kind of brings me back to you know, when people say, oh, you know, guys today are just so much better than the guys in the past. Well, that may be true in some instances, but I think also you have to remember the context of the game. Because back then you just weren't allowed to do like some of the stuff that you're allowed to do now. You just weren't allowed to do it. It wasn't necessarily that they weren't capable. Just you weren't necessarily allowed to. It's just more accepted now. Right. Um, so I, I thought they did a good job of kind of you know, relaying that point as well. Um, but it was a great documentary, man. If, you know, for the our listeners, if you haven't seen it, like definitely watch it. It's an easy watch. because I think it's like, it's only like 52 minutes, 53 yeah. minutes, something yeah. like that. So it wasn't, it's not too long. It's a very quick, you know, very quick um, watch. Um, and then obviously the, the correlation between hip hop, you know, hip hop rap and basketball. Um, yeah. I think, we, we started to see the influence of it in the 90s. You know, obviously Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. Fab Five wearing black shoes and black socks. I mean, that was like, whoa, you know, wearing baggy shorts. I mean, that was unprecedented. Mm-hmm. But I think what the N1 mixtape did, along with Allen Iverson kind of being so popular at the same time, it just completely flipped the script on the NBA street culture hip-hop culture it just completely merged it and took it to the mainstream um so i think you know the street ball mixtapes and the n1 mixtapes should be credited for sort of that grassroots movement because i love alan iverson he's like my favorite player of all time to be quite honest mm-hmm. um and you know he gets credited because he was doing it on a mainstream level on an nba level but the n1 mixtape man they really like pushed it out there on a grassroots level so you know i think those guys deserve a lot of credit for you know what they did and and they talked about it like you know they didn't really fully grasp what was happening at the time they were just kind of doing what they do Um, Mm. but you know looking back on it man they yeah it was very influential because like i said coach jp3 i know i'll you know i know what your comments are but it brought up some good memories, man, because we used to have good times watching those mixtapes <laughs> falling out of our seat. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. Yeah. So I it was it was good. It was it was it was really good. I want 
either Coach Murph or Coach Pace. I know you, you said you're going to try to watch this because you all were probably just crawling out the womb around this time. Hey, we got we got a few. First years. of all, don't re- don't disrespect me like that. Don't disrespect. I didn't say me like that. it. That wasn't Coach Danny T. That was Coach Danny T. Listen, I know that you use some old farts, but listen, <laughs> listen, nah, I I know about the the mixtape era and one. Um, I was really big. I mean, that kind of would spark my. First of all, I'm from the streets. I'm from the hood. So that that was just. That was just the thing out there, but we, um, you know, I watched it on TV. I had, um, you know, the video games, everything. I was just, it was just something that we love to do and try out on the course, like everybody said. Um, you know, I from the the guys they showed, like Hot Sauce, he was a, a guy that I I love watching. They didn't have him on there for obvious reasons, but Escalade was a guy that I like uh, watching. So it's like. <clears throat> I don't even recall how I stumbled across it. it. It was, I probably came across it through video games first and then hip hop. I mean, that just kind of goes for some, well, for a lot of, you know, sports and cultures and stuff like that. It just, you can always find a lick of hip hop somewhere in it. Uh, but, you know, basketball was just the thing. I mean, even when you practice your plan I don't know just like how they were talking about how activity it just kind of you can view it in music just like a flow I just like how um, the guy was talking about how when he was just listening or watching the video and uh in his studio and how the the ball went in during the snare it's just like you just I don't know about y'all, but like when I would be shooting around and playing and I know a song, I try to hit it on the exact part of the song and so on yes. and so forth. Yes. So, uh, not it, it, I loved it. The one thing that <laughs> I did, like, hold on, I put his name down. Um, Scoop Jackson uh, from Vibe Magazine. I don't know if y'all caught it, but he pissed me off early on by saying, when he was talking about and one and said that, um, the people from and one, it wasn't the white folks trying to take, you know, black culture and um, what was his exact words? Basically, like profit from it, but just trying to find a way to make it a business. But we all found out that a lot of people from their first value, none of the players really knew about it. So what? It, and you thought they were they weren't selling the tapes for free? Like who are you protecting? Why would you say something like that? Yeah. So the, I had an issue with Scoop from Jump for saying that. I was like, how are you going to say that he's, they're not trying to profit off of black people, but nobody knows that videos are being sold of their footage? They're walking into places and be like, oh no, that's me. Mm-hmm. Like what are we talking about? But they started paying them after for the second volume and third, but. Um, no, nah, street ball is huge. Like you said, you can see it from the style of play. Um, it just, you know, got accepted more. It, it makes the game more interesting. And uh, it, that's just pretty much what it all started. Everybody starts hooping outside it, and, you know, hooping in the streets. It's different than, you know, people going to like, uh, you know, uh, L.A. fitness or something like that, like a gym just outside on on the court just with you know a bunch of people know 
just like the guy said, you don't need equipment. Somebody's always going to have a basketball. You don't need a gym membership, nothing. You're just out there and just having fun. And you just think of creative ways to, to get buckets. So, you know, I'm very familiar with the N1 era. I wasn't crawling out the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I had to get, I had, I had to take a shot at y'all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Coach, Coach Pace, what were your thoughts about it? Oh man, it was cool. I, it kind of brought me back to like coming home after school, and then you know they dropped the the next episode of like the N One Mixtape Tour. So that's mm-hmm. what I used to do. I used to come home after school and watch that immediately. Like probably not even do my homework and just go watch that. But um, <laughs> I I thought it was cool. I thought it was a cool little documentary. Kind of just took me back to like when I was younger in general. Um, yeah. the I didn't realize how bad the video quality was yeah. until now. That yeah, that threw me off a little bit. And then um, just seeing like where they are now, like Ao, he's a little chunky, a lot chunkier now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, then they was talking about it, it. Just threw me off when they was like, yeah, um, some of the uh, some of the. Uh, when they had the part where the athlete, the NBA players was like, yeah, they had and one players thinking they could play in the league. And all the NBA players was like, hell no. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's two different, like, they, they wish and dream they could. They was like, they didn't take care of their bodies and the whole nine. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was the reason that only only one person from that, from man one was able to make it to the NBA. And he, they said, what he made it like right before it really popped off, like he was already making his way or like in the league. So you know, yeah, yeah. But in general, I thought it was cool. It was a nice little doc. Um, I'm just curious, who was y'all's favorite? Uh, like, at least give a top three. I'm mad they didn't have a professor on there. Like he yeah. wasn't than us. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I, I was, I was shocked I didn't see him either. He's still here some people. Mm-hmm. He's still out here doing it. Yeah, he professor's one of my favorites. Hot sauce. And uh, third, I, I don't know. I, I did like AO and um was a spider. I liked him and a couple of because he used to do like the Spider-Man dunk. So he would yeah. dunk the ball and put his feet on the backboard. Yeah, like I, I that was that was super dope. Yeah. Mine, mine is hot sauce, Escalade, and a Bone Collector. Those are my three. Bone Collector was dope too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like uh, Bone Collector. Um, I for me, I I always like the Professor man. He mm-hmm. was kind of second for me because and just be going to the the competition that they had because they had like they went to like every city and then they picked up a dude. And then whoever like made it all the way to the end, like got an N1 contract. So I thought like just how he did it was pretty dope. Because mm-hmm. um, I always remember that like game winner that he hit at Madison Square Garden. I forgot what other city they were playing, but um, but yeah, so Professor. And then for me, then the last one was Hot Sauce, obviously, because he was just doing gotcha. ridiculous Man. stuff on the court. I think later on, I think I, mine was, of course, Professor Hot Sauce. And then like early early on, it was helicopter, because I was always Hel- like, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, he was nice. He was nice. Hey, I played with him heavy on the game. He was nasty. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, another one when he came on later was air up air because he hit the seven twenty. Yes. Like, oh, he different. He different. Yes. Yes. I I forgot all about him. Him. Yeah, half man, half amazing was dope. Yeah, it was just a lot of a lot oh, of good. Yeah, they had a lot of dudes, man. Yeah, man. Like, I guess for me. It was, yeah, it took me back. Now, okay, I had one of the mixtapes on VHS and I have the other one on DVD. And I know I still have the DVD at my mom's house. I'm going to watch it and see what the video quality looks like. I swear it wasn't like that. I swear. <laughs> I, I, I was always, I was like, wait, is this a, like, who shot this? This was the world's first video camera, man. Like, <laughs> footage. Like, but I didn't know. I learned a lot, though, too, through it because... I learned how they started. So that was that was a good learn. And I'm not going to go too much into detail for those who haven't watched, but when they, they started and how they were promoting it and that the players didn't know that they were in it outside of Skip, pretty much. Like, and they, they were trying to get Skip to my loop, but and actually how good he was and this kind of thing was built around him, essentially. Um, I thought, you know, the DJ, like you were saying, Coach Murray, I thought that was brilliant, the way he orchestrated that and then came up with the idea of laying over music and now people are making tracks for it. He's bringing in big name people and their songs. That, that's super dope. Um, and also how big main event was to the success of the N1 mixtape. Like that, that's a part of the story I, I did not know. Like basically they were trying to get to Rucker and they couldn't even get on the floor. They were like, nah, nah, nah. We don't, we don't want no cameras, nobody shooting out here. And he was like, all right, we're just going to go to Jersey then. And they were like, can we get a crowd? And he's like, can we get a crowd? Yeah, we, there'll be people there. There'll be people there. And then they put on a show and put on a, and it just took off from there. Uh, so I thought that was really cool to see that he was such an instrumental part about it because I think he was a forgotten figure um, in that because he wasn't necessarily the flashiest you know, of the, of the, of the talented players there. And to your point, coach Murphy talking about what scoop Jackson's comments, I thought he was going to go in the opposite direction. Cause I think he kind of built yeah. it up that he was going to go, Hey, you know, these are just white people popping off these, you know, the black youth and, and everything like that. But he went the other direction. And I'm like, I, that doesn't mean that they were malicious in doing it, but still that's what happened. Like you, you didn't tell yeah. the people that they were on video. And then when they were, you weren't paying them ex- what they were worth though because i know coach natty t and i went to and one game when they came to um columbus at the shot and steve center mm-hmm. we were sitting there watching them and that place was full like everyone everywhere they went they were filling up stadiums and to see that the players really didn't get as big of a share as i had anticipated that they would um that was very disappointing uh so th- those were those were some of my my takeaways but yeah Ray, that shows how good ray for austin was that he was able to kind of modify his game for the NBA, but he he had that talent. He just knew when to bring out certain stuff and when not to. But I remember going up in school, man, like they were cats that couldn't hit the broad side of the barn, but they had mad handles. You couldn't take the ball from them though, because <laughs> that's what, that was the and one piece. They, they weren't really worried about the shot, but they were like, I'm going to put the ball in a string and I'm going to embarrass you. And that's, that's just kind of how it was. Uh, one of my, my 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 dudes in middle school, Aubrey Greathouse, could barely shoot the ball at all. But you wouldn't, you can't, you couldn't take the ball from him. And he would literally go outside for recess by himself 
and just dribble the entire recess period with dribble. And that and he just got super good. There's a lot of dudes like that. Yeah. So they revolutionized the game. And I, I love that current NBA players chiming in on that. Uh, you know, Baron Davis is another one. Lou Will, you know, so like those guys. Yeah. Like they brought that to the game. And you were right, Coach Natty T. It is more acceptable now. Like, you know, you know, you're talking about your middle school coach would bench people or, or not let you make the team if you did that. Well, the NBA players would, I mean, the NBA coaches would bench you too if you did stuff like that. But I think Rafer made it cool. And Allen Iverson, I think, made it validated, if that's the right word to use. He validated the fact that you can go out there and use those type of moves within the confines of the NBA game and be successful. And people are going to gravitate toward it. So. And then for just for like context for, you know, some of our, our younger listeners, you know, because I know everybody got access to YouTube. You don't know who Skip Tamalu is slash Ray for Alston. Go back to the 2009 NBA Finals Game Three. Mm-hmm. Rafer Alston started for the Orlando Magic, went off. That was the one game that they won. That's the one game they won. <laughs> and went and they, and he also because Jameer Nelson was was hurt was and they hurt, were, yep. played him until the finals. Rafer Austin was on was with Dwight Howard and Mikael Petrus and Hedo Turkulu. Turkulu, yeah. LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals when it was yeah supposed they to knocked be out LeBron. Yep. They, they took out LeBron, and Rafer Austin was a huge part of that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So just for context, y'all don't know who, you know, Skip Tamalu Rafer Austin is. He wasn't just, like, a dude that came off the bench and, like, a you know, he he was nice. He could hoop. For real. In fact, like for real, for real. the narrative was not only about the greatness of Kobe after they beat Orlando, but the fact that it was a bad coaching decision by Stan Van Gundy to insert Jameer Nelson into the starting lineup once the final started, because yep. they thought they would have a better chance to win with Ray for Austin continuing to be the starter, even though Nelson was feeling better. And, and to your point, when they did start, he went, he went off. Went so, off. Yeah. That's how big of a deal he was. So, uh, yeah. But man, yeah. Because we used to play, you know, street mode was on 2K and everything back in the day, too. It's not as advanced as it is now. I was watching to uh, um, one of our other coaches, Coach Boogie, like his son and his son's friend were playing 2K and you can't even stay on the court anymore. You got to wait to get on the court now, you know, and and because uh, you're playing for people from all over the world. I'm like, y'all really just sitting here waiting for y'all's turn like it's real life? Absolutely not. I don't have the time. I don't have the time. Hey, you, sound, you, you sound so old. <laughs> Like, you know, I mean, there's such thing as too realistic. Like that's too. <laughs> if I'm in person, I gotta wait my turn. Sure, but I'll be daggone if I have to do that in a video game. Hey, no, yeah. I, I feel you. Like I, that's I judge people that play Sims. I'm like, you can just go live life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm like, what is going on? But that street ball mode is it was was pretty dope there too. But that's what we used to. We would watch the N one mixtape. And because it would be nighttime, we couldn't go out and, and play just yet. But we would play the next day, try to practice all these moves. But at that night, we would play the street mode in NBA 2K for Dreamcast. Right. And we'd go out there and, and just kind of like we create our own players and, and go at it. So it, it was a huge part of the culture. Um, and one of those things that I think is very underrated on its influence in the NBA. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, Dream. any last words? Dreamcast, don't, don't, don't come in. Don't, don't do that. Nah, 
No, no, nah, nah, so I got JB3, nothing to get. I'll play on the You said Dreamcast. Listen, I, I was like, bro, we old, man. We old. I remember <laughs> listen, Dreamcast. Listen, y'all are old, but I'm just, I'm cultured. I've played on the Dreamcast. So let, don't get it twisted. Yeah, NBA 2 Dreamcast was dope, man. With Iverson on the cover? Bro, those yeah, were, dude, awesome, yeah, yeah, it was dope. Yeah. Because remember, we, I was broke. So, you know, those those were the cheapest, cheaper systems out before you, you know, you could afford the PlayStation and stuff. So nah, I definitely played the dream guy. No, nah, real talk, real talk. They did Iverson on the on the NBA 2K and Randy Moss on the NFL 2K for a couple years. Yeah, those those were those were super dope. Yeah. Yeah, Minnesota Vikings, Vikings, Randy Moss. Yeah. Play with they them. need to bring back streets. They need to bring back NFL streets and stop yeah. playing around. Yeah, that was a good game too. FIFA Street, NBA Street, NFL. Yeah, man, those were man, those were dope. Those were dope. Well, fellas, I think that's it for us. Thank y'all out there for listening. Um, we'll be back next week to cover more of the finals. Hopefully, Boston has a lead because I I can't I can't I'm telling you we'll cancel the show. I'm I'm gonna tell you right this right now. You are gonna hear it here first. If, if, Relax, if, we'll be fine. I'm going to have nightmares about this, man. I got to go Sabbath. I'm rooting against other light-skinned people. That's how bad it is right now. Like, that's Tatum, how... Tatum light-skinned. That's true, too. That's true, too. But I am rooting against two other light-skinned people. I, I can't have Game 6 Clay show up because they're going to win. The Warriors are going to win. I can't it ain't have Game 6. You ain't got to worry about it. <laughs> it ain't Game 6. It ain't Game 5. You ain't got nothing to worry about. Exactly. Exactly. What I said for us, y'all have a blessed and safe weekend. Peace.